from the 809 Restaurant and Lounge in the heart of Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome filmmaker and nonfiction storyteller, Brian Miller. His home base out in New York City, Brian focuses primarily on creating short-form video content, documentaries, commercials, branded content, and promos. Working in the roles of producer, shooter, and editor, his work has taken him from Ghana to Japan to Costa Rica, telling stories for a variety of individuals and organizations along the way, including GE, Unilever, McDonald's, Vogue, and Johnson & Johnson. Along with the freelance clients, Brian works with Columbia University's School of International and Public Affairs to create promotional and editorial content for the school. He has a particular interest in telling stories that highlight our human potential. Brian has also recently worked as DP and producer on several short narrative films based here in Inwood and its surrounding area. He's also among the recipients of the 2020 Inwood Film Festival Filmmaker Fund Award. We're going to talk to him about that and so much more, but first, let me welcome you, Brian, to Inwood Artworks On Air. Nice to see you. You too. Good to meet you in person, finally. Yeah. It's amazing how you can you know, know somebody virtually but never really know them. I know, I know. <laughs> You got a great radio voice, by the way. Well, thank you. I have a face for it, too, so does my mother. Uh, Uh, Seriously, uh, how you been? Good, good. Uh, You know, no complaints. Uh, Happy to be able to still do what I love, and so, you know, things aren't too bad. Awesome. Well, we do appreciate you being here in person because, you know, uh, to kind of bridge off what Brian said earlier is that I bet him and pre- during the pandemic when he got his award for being a filmmaker, but, and normally we would do an event in person. We would uh, gather everyone and, uh, and introduce everyone like we did actually two years ago down the street when we gave out the awards the first time to our first class, if you will, 2019. Um, and we were to celebrate them and that was, that didn't happen, uh, last year. Uh, and so we did a virtual, this thing called zoom that kind of was just, you know, this in, you know, corporate industrial tool that all of a sudden went ubiquitous with everyone in the world uh, and everyone had a steep learning curve on what webinars were. And uh, we did a wonderful webinar with all the awardees and Brian was one of them. And yet, yeah, we never got to meet in person. And so I just feel grateful that you can be here and that the world is moving forward so um, people can work and people can hopefully keep on uh, building community through work, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, I think this is this is a large part of it is being able to kind of meet people in person and you know the the end result of what we create is is one thing but it's also the community around it which is important so glad that uh we can connect well speaking of connecting you connect with everybody on set it seems in some way uh your your cv reads like a um, a Swiss Army knife. Uh, <laughs> you actually cover so many roles on set, from producer to DP to editor, sometimes all in one film. Uh, so I'm curious, when did you, and where, uh, if you don't mind saying, uh, did you get your first hands-on exposure to filmmaking? So I went to uh, college at Penn State for film school. Uh, that was my my first intro to, to filmmaking. Um, I actually, and who knows, this still may happen, but my my... First dream was to become a Disney Imagineer. So um, I have a a real fascination with theme parks and really enjoy the experience of going to them and thinking about rides and experiences. Um, So I almost went to college to be an engineer. 
um, to figure out how to actually build theme park rides. Or build your own theme park for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the best I ever did was playing Roller Coaster Tycoon on the computer, but who, who knows? I, I, still, I still may be an Imagineer at one point. Cool. Um, but, you know, I also had a lot of curiosity um, and still do. And I viewed filmmaking as a way of kind of exploring that. You're, you're always making a film about something, and um, especially in nonfiction, it's a way of, you know, just getting access to things you may, may not get otherwise. So um, I would say at Penn State I learned a lot about production and, and, um, and I focused a little more on nonfiction. I mean, we did do some, some narrative work, but, you know, I, I would say I came out of school knowing what went into producing a video, um, and, and shooting a video. Um, and then when I came to New York right after college, that's when I, I sort of got real world hands-on experience, um, you know, starting with smaller projects for, for clients up to, you know, some rather large projects. But, um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's just learning by doing and, and I've been at it, you know, over 10 years now and still feel like I have a lot to learn, but am, you know, happy with where I've been able to get so far. So, yeah. And it's interesting too, like you kind of dovetailed like your love for filmmaking into your practical career, which is also content creation. Uh, which I think some artists don't take, they don't, they don't talk about it as much because they're like, well, it's not what I really, I'm really a, a so-and-so label, blah, 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 whatever you may consider yourself in the mirror, what you are. But I really like the fact that you kind of dovetailed them both when you're not making films, you're, um, you know, you're creating content and you're very long client list, it seemed, and you've been all over the globe where your work's taking you. So um, can you talk about how you carved your path as a content creator and finding that? He's like, did you want to be a freelancer? Did you want to work for somebody? Like, how'd that work out for you? Yeah, I think I've always been someone who prefers to kind of construct my own schedule and my own way of doing things. So I think freelance made a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, I, I initially it was... Um, taking whatever, whatever came along. So, you know, honestly, a lot of my work I can trace back to a few people that I know from, from school really, uh, or connected through people that I met at school, um, who would, you know, lead me to a job. And in many instances, I had never done anything professionally before, you know, where I'm getting paid. And, and so you start to take these, these roles on and, um, Inevitably, in the work that I do, a lot of times you have to do multiple jobs at once. I have to be the one to put the details of it together. Um, you know, the shooting, I think, is something that you really, you do need to know your stuff. Not that the other roles aren't important, but if you can't film it, you're kind of out of the water with, with uh, um, being able to, to be hired for a lot of things. So that's certainly a key component. But... Um, but yeah, I think along the way, I, you know, I, I sort of, I would do these different roles and one seed gets planted over here and then another one over here. And oftentimes when you're on shoots, you're meeting people who, you know, it seems like these days everybody needs a video person. So, you know, one thing would lead to another. Um, I, I like to say the video has this like built in marketing to it. You're, you're, you're just constantly, you're out in the world shooting and, and you're, you're meeting people um, and if you do a good job and people like working with you, that's going to continue on. And so, 
um, I've really kind of uh, built a, a network that way, and um, you know, and 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 I guess not not just in the sense of like getting hired, but also um, with other filmmakers. I know, uh, you know, as as you mentioned, like I've been able to work in the last few years on some narrative films as well, and that's purely from people in my network. You know, um, I may not have been the one to start the filmmaking project, but peop again, people are always looking for other filmmakers to make things happen. We, we have to work as a team. And so um, that's, you know, just kind of, uh, I, yeah, t I mean, it sounds so cliche, but just continuing on with that network, one thing leading to another, it, it allows you to kind of keep things going. Well, I think what you said there perfectly dovetails. And also another thing I was going to say to you is that, you know, creating that community through filmmaking is something that I find, um, well, heck I built a company on it and, um, and it's not just filmmaking, obviously, because in what art works, there's film, there's stage, there's music, there's visual arts involved. Um, and you know, the more the merrier, what else, whatever else people do. But, um, at the core, it's all about using art as a platform to bring people together. Yes. And, uh, and I really like the fact that uh, you work with a lot of collaborators over and over again, and they recommend you um, and going in and out of the, in, in and out of a circle and start other circles. And you work with their group of collaborators and, you know, that work, the yesterday work would work, but it's great to be able to choose your collaborators, right? Totally. And many of them live locally too, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself incredibly lucky in my work. In almost every instance, I've been able to work with friends on projects, which, I mean, in any job you might do, anytime you can work with your friends. But then on top of that, the work that we're doing is, you know, we're, we're, we're hustling to do creative things. And so I'm, th that doesn't, it, that's not something that I overlook or take for granted. The, the fact that, you know, the process of doing this with people that you, you know, love, it, it's, it, it's pretty good. So, yeah. So tell us about something that you love, your latest film, Giant. Yeah, yeah. Your film. Yeah, yeah. So Giant, um, and, and, and I have to share the spotlight. So, so one of the, yeah. the main people I collaborate with is uh, a, a longtime friend of mine, Dylan Ticillo, who has been involved in Inwood Arts projects before. And so... Um, Dylan and I have worked in a professional sense, but also get to do some narrative stuff every once in a while. And so Dylan wrote the script for Giant, and um, it's a, uh, a sci-fi uh, sort of uh, special effects film, which is unique for a short film project. Um, fairly ambitious, I think, uh, considering budget limitations and you know time. I've uh, never heard anyone say Budget unlimitations. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> unless you're going to go work for Disney and, right, and do Imagineering, right. there's always give me the word. But it's just people should say there's a budget because because there's there's always going to be a cap, right? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. never heard someone say, "Oh, you gave me too much money." Yeah, yeah. That's that's <laughs> that would be a nice problem to have, right? At some but, point. but but your point is well taken, though. I just love that phrase you said. Yeah, but, but, yeah. But, but it's well taken. It's like there's only there's only a certain amount of money to go around everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you do the best with what you can and you know we're grateful to have the the grant from this past year um but yeah giant is a is a film about uh a girl who moves to this small town um and um she's somewhat isolated but in moving to this small town she 
kind of comes to befriend this giant man. And uh, so you have to watch the film to, to find out more. But uh, good, good, good. spoiler, there is a giant in the film. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it's aptly titled, folks. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dylan's doing the special effects on it. And we actually, um, we finished filming uh, late this summer. So we were able to... Um, over the course of several shoots, get get the production in the can. Yeah. Which was well, key. that's what I was wondering. It's like um, it's a great it's it's a story everyone has to tell during this time about you know their work and it's like the work even though it's a narrative film you know the 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 creation of the story is a documentary for your lives in many senses because you always remember what you went through to make this film. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, would you mind just reflecting for a moment with us on? how like where, where where were you when you're like okay well we're gonna get going in march and like do this and this like where were you going into the pandemic and then how it and then maybe just if curious uh does the film as it stands now going into special effects uh, resemble the film you set out to make yeah um well when you were saying that i i'm blanking on the name of that documentary about the uh francis ford uh or apocalypse now there was a documentary about the awful making of that right. film, like the awful process yeah uh ours wasn't quite that bad uh things didn't go so wrong just bad no no yeah <laughs> um yeah no it was he nervously know. laughs going i shouldn't tell him this he gave us money yeah, yeah. but uh <laughs> it's okay uh, everyone yeah. had a rough year yeah um you know obviously obviously it it probably took longer than than it would have without a pandemic um there's enough that goes into the pre-production that whether there's a per pandemic or not is is going to be able to happen and so we were able to do a lot of that last year um you know casting the actors figuring out locations doing some tests on the special effects um which again that's more something that dylan knows and i'm sort of trusting uh trusting that he can execute which I have full confidence he can. Um, but a lot of that was was time, pandemic time, I would say. Um, and then, you know, honestly, I, I think once once everyone got vaccinated and, and the spring hit, things kind of, I don't want to say they were back to normal for what our normal process would be. There were still things that we had to be extra cautious of. Um, considerations that we may not have had on set previously, but um, but by late spring, early summer, you know, we, the film was outside. By design, it was it was meant to be shot in a more simple way. I mean, there there really wasn't. That's helpful. Yeah, super helpful. There, there wasn't a lot of indoor uh, scenes. There were there was a little bit, but I mean, by nature, we were able to kind you of. You weren't shoot doing Ben Hur. We we decided not to. We scratched okay. that. But but and and then the the I guess the other thing is the the film you know the script changed a little bit, but um, it remains fairly intact from what the original vision was. So um, still definitely special effects driven. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if that isn't tent, you know, wet your whistle, folks, to go check this movie out. I don't know what. Um, well. I, I mean, I'm so thrilled about it. I, I do know the story because I read the screenplay, but um, it, uh, and maybe you'll make it available uh, afterwards. I don't know, but um, uh, maybe on the giant website or something like that. Yes, the, yes. Pre, the pre and post pandemic um, script screenplays and how they changed. 
Um, I, I just, I'm just I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to kind of like uh, the dramaturgy of a film and how um, and how story is influenced by um, the making of the film itself. It was like oh, you, it goes in one way, and then when it comes out, it looks somewhat. Maybe I mean it's it's amazing you said it, it's it's intact because uh, with all you guys been through um, it's and everyone's been through um, just making the film itself is an achievement. So yeah, yeah. I mean, one one thing I would say about that, which I I have to remind myself of constantly in my work, is I set out with a vision for something. I, I think we all do when we take on a project, no matter what it is. Yeah. And inevitably, it always ends up a little different than what the vision was, mm -hmm. and you know. Sometimes I, I, I really beat myself up for that. I'm like, oh man, I couldn't execute this in this way. But oftentimes it's fairly close and you know, it's um, sometimes there are happy accidents in the process and, and you end up with something better than what you could have envisioned. So, I love that term. Give us an example of a happy accident. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, um, you know, just in a very small instance, let's say you had planned to film a scene a certain way. Um, it's probably easiest for me to talk from the perspective of, of operating the camera, but yeah. you had intended to shoot a certain way and you had all this coverage laid out and you were going to get this shot and the reverse shot and, you know, a master shot. And, you know, as it is on set, time was fleeting. Daylight is, is, is going down and you're like, you know, we don't have time to do all this coverage and you shoot it from this other angle. And it ends up that that scene actually looked much better shot in this one shot or, or, or maybe two shots that you put together instead of all this coverage that you had intended. So um, I think that happens a lot in little ways in these projects where, you know, you're, you're always making little compromises. Um, but hopefully they're they're adding up to get you fairly close to what the original intention was um and i think you know i think if you're if you're trusting your artistic sense okay this maybe wasn't what you had envisioned this isn't how we thought we were going to sh shoot the scene but it if if there's still an artistic way to get one shot out of the scene and and Sometimes that's really cool. And what's funny is people will watch the film and they'll be like, wow, how did you, how did you think to do that with one shot? It's like, you never tell them that it was a total, you know, <laughs> I didn't think at all. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about it at all, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then they'd be more, even more impressed. They go, who were you just so, so, so cavalier? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you've done, uh, like I said, a myriad of projects, narration, documentary. Is, is, is there any style you prefer? Um, I mean, you seem quite at home doing all of it, uh, but is there anything that you hang your hat on? I think my strong suit, whether it was uh, by intention or not, is, is very much like s sitting someone down, doing an interview, uh, and, and creating a, a short video around that. I, I mean, that's really primarily what I get paid to do uh, with a lot of my clients and a lot of my work. Um, I think I'm a natural question asker, so I have natural curiosity. And so that, you know, and that's, that's part of what you need to get the sound bites to make the video. And so um, I would say that's sort of what I make a living on. And mm -hmm. that's probably what I feel most comfortable doing. With that said, it's 
really refreshing to shoot narrative style um, and have more time with shots. As much as I love documentary and, and how spontaneous it is and you know, you can have a plan and then you're just coming up with things on the fly. That's great, but it also feels really good to take time with shots and think through, you know, how you, how you're going to cover a scene. And, and, um, so being able to do that, uh, at least mix that in a little bit with, with what I'm used to. I, I think it helps a lot. And, Probably one thing improves the other too. So I say the diversity, you know, keeps your other skills sharp, or perhaps more uh, more uh, see hours on certain skills you would not normally work on. Right? Yes, totally, totally, and and then even beyond, um, you know, shooting this nonfiction content. I think editing is a is a huge thing. I mean, you learn so much as an editor of what is needed in in the filmmaking. I feel. I'm still not where I want to be, but I, I feel more confident with when I'm out filming something, whether it's nonfiction or, or narrative, I, I know more so when we don't need something or we already have it. And that feels good to be able to say, okay, we, we got this shot or this thing that a few years ago I would have thought, oh, we better get more coverage. I now can say, let's, let's cut that. Let's move on. Yeah. That, that feels good. And that, it only comes through, through time and it comes through, being an editor and seeing like, oh yeah, you know, it's more footage to go through and never use this type of shot, whatever, whatever it is. So, well, you gave a lot of insight right there to your process and how you work. Um, what would you tell yourself coming out of Penn State now? Like, so, so the advice, like, like Rilke, letters to a young poet, yeah, letters yeah, to a young yeah, filmmaker. Yeah. What would you tell young Brian as he's leaving Penn State for his first gig? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I think saying yes to as many opportunities as possible is, is really important. Um, even if it's not what you think you want to do, um, just, just go and do it because oftentimes you are going to learn something that you couldn't have foreseen. Um, and it may, it probably will influence what you end up doing as, as sort of your primary thing. A case in point, you know, for a while in New York, while I was trying to get my my filmmaking and video career going, I worked in a bar in the West Village, and um, it, was a, it was a small bar, but it was, uh, you know, we often worked by ourselves as the as the main bartender, and it, you know, it was a lot. It was maybe a little too much for one person to handle. You know, we're, we're doing everything. We're, we're serving people. We're answering the phone. We're washing dishes. We're making sandwiches in the back. And like, it, it's, it was, it was a lot. And, uh, you know, you might say like, well, what does that have to do with filmmaking? That job threw me into the fire and taught me about like, there are certain things that you focus your attention on. There might be a lot of chaos coming at you, but focus here, focus there. Like it taught me a way of dealing with chaos. And if you've been on a film set, you know that it's chaos. So, so I, I still think that that, you know, I wasn't learning anything about great camera movement at that job or, or, um, you know, cutting shots together, but it taught me a lot about thinking on my feet and remaining calm. And I use that all the time in filmmaking. So 
to answer your question, it's, it's, I think it's just saying yes to opportunities and, um, um, you're gonna, you're gonna pick something up. That's, that's some sort of insight that leads you to the next thing. So it's great advice. Great advice. Letters to a young Brian coming out yeah, next yeah. week on yeah. documentaries <laughs> and what artworks. Uh, but no, that's, it's, it's so important too. And I just wanted to add as well, um, what you're saying too, is that, uh, we were saying yes and be open to receive things too, is that those day jobs really inform, you know, not just the, the doing of the, your, your craft, like you're saying, practicing, if it's filmmaking for you or something for someone else, um, it's the life of the filmmaker too, right? Yeah. Like you have to be willing to bartend yeah, yeah. or something, whatever that may be that you're willing to do yeah. to help you get to the next gig. Because yeah. there will be, Lean times. Even Barbara Streisand was out of work people sometimes. <laughs> or even though Meryl Streep doesn't work every single day of the week. Right, or she right. didn't for a while. Anyway, so that, that's, the, that's the idea is like, you know, you have to, like, can you, uh, as much as you, I mean, do you want to talk about that all? Like the lifestyle of, of you led and lead going into like, you know, where you are now versus where you were and where you want to go? Yeah, I think lifestyle is a, is a huge thing. I talk about that a lot to people. You know, I, there, there are, this sort of lifestyle, freelance lifestyle, um, cobbling work together. Um, I, I am lucky to have my job at Columbia, which is sort of the opposite of that. So I do have a little bit of uh, consistency there, but m my life and my schedule is very much different every week and, and it just has to be. Um, and oftentimes I don't know when the next thing will be coming in, uh, but I will say, I think you reach a certain point where, as I was saying before, enough seeds get planted that you don't know where the next flower is going to grow, but something is going to grow. Um, and, you know, it's been, yeah, there's, there's, there is, lifestyle is very important to me. Um, I, I would take it over a trade-off of, you know, financial security or, or some of the other things that come with typical work the ability to to somewhat set my own schedule is, is i think very important and it comes with a certain level of um i think you, you just you get comfortable with hey the the next answer may not be right in front of me sometimes you wait maybe a little longer than than you want to uh, for that answer, you know, where's the work coming from or, or you're stuck on, you know, you really want to make something happen creatively, but you don't know how to do it. You know, and I, I still, it's not like it's all figured out for me, but there is a certain level of trust in it will appear. And I, I think after you see that happen enough times where you, you have evidence that, oh yeah, things do pop up out of nowhere. Um, I, I think then you can kind of take some comfort in that. And then you get to really enjoy the aspects of that creative lifestyle. Um, I also think there's this element where it, the universe knows when you have the capacity to take something on. So oftentimes we're like, oh, I want this work or I want this thing. But realistically, there's probably something else that you need to deal with first before those jobs you know, come in or that work comes in or someone says, hey, can you shoot my film? There's probably something else that you need to do before that happens, whether that's like, you know, go film something on your, maybe you're not ready to shoot that film. Maybe you need to go, uh, 
you know, practice a, a certain style of shots or, um, I I've just seen, I know that's somewhat theoretical, but I've seen so many times the universe presents something once it seems someone has the capacity to take it on. So mm. trusting that is, um, I think it takes a few instances to happen, but, but I've, I've, I found it to be true for myself and, and others as well. And when you have that experience too, some t once you keep on gaining experience, you may not be at a place to recognize you have the capacity until a certain time happens. Yes. You know? It yep. may pass you, you, it may be the right staring at the face and you don't even see it because you're not at that place yet. Totally. Or you're beyond it. You, and, you, and, you, and you said that was me, but not right now because you said to use your metaphor it's like you know the other flowers you're harvesting coming up and uh you're like you're like well this is looking really good over here and so i want to i've already done that um i like doing that but i want maybe perhaps want to put my time and energy in something else right totally totally yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I mean i think that's for me that's that's something you know I, I there's maybe a part of the garden over here that's growing really well but um you know i i should water some other parts of the garden and, and get some other, you know, get some tomatoes growing here. And you know. I can't wait till that your Brian's victory garden. Yeah. Is yeah. Get some, get something edible here. There uh, you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But I, but I think that's great though. And, and I think that just, just to tie it into the question is that, you know, it's about, you know, that leisure time, like to be able to choose, it is not so leisurely to not having the ability to choose yeah. when you are, hard for cash or if your health's not well or whatever issue you may be or you're you have a, a job like you said you, it's very important to you to have the flexibility um to to do many different things and pivot and take on projects as they come along if you're um working as a and there's nothing wrong with it and maybe we'll do it if you have a, a steady job because you you desire that security or um, in whichever way, um, it's not, it's wonderful. You just have to make certain compromises, uh, and other aspects of your life, including your creative life. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know where this fits in all this exactly, but, um, there is very much something with creative work about doing it first, you know, especially if it's something you want to get paid for, find a way to do it first. And I, th I think, you know, I can speak more so to film than maybe some other mediums, but I can imagine with music or um, writing or artwork, maybe maybe it's even easier to, to just go and do it, but do it first. And then the, the, the money behind it, that's probably not why you were doing it in the first place. You, you know, hopefully you just enjoy the craft of doing it. But if there is money to follow, there isn't any permission that you need initially to, to do that work. So, it is harder in, in filmmaking, I think, to just say, oh, I'm going to make a film, you know, whether there's money here or not. Um, but do the best you can to get as close to that as possible because there's something in, like, just getting it out there. Like, you know, say you want to shoot commercials. Shoot a spec commercial. You know, and this is evidence I could even give myself. If I want to be shooting more commercials, shoot a spec commercial you know, find the way to do that. And that might involve an investment of your own money to do that. But once you do that and you put that out there and you have this piece, you know, you've shot a commercial, you don't need someone to come along, uh, and, and, and ask for you to make one. You already have made one and you learn something in that process of making it. And so, um, 
that's part of what I'm, I mean with like the universe now, now says, oh, Brian makes these types of commercials, you know, now sort of the door is open for more of that to come in. But no one came to me and said, hey, you make a commercial and then we'll give you more of this. It, it, it's, I think it's self-generated. So um, I'm, I'm just, re I'm really, I've seen that to be true where you got to go and do it, find a way to do it and more of it will come. Put yourself in a place to succeed, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I could talk to you forever about putting yourself in a place to succeed, but I think you're already there. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it'd be a very short conversation, though. Uh, so, <laughs> so thank you so much for being here today. Um, uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, can you tell us uh, where can we all find about the things you have uh, been working on and maybe will come out in the near future? Um, yeah, so this is probably the worst part of my uh, professional career. Uh, I, I don't have a great online presence. Um, I am, I am on, uh, on Instagram. Bry guy Miller is my, my handle, but there you go. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, uh, I have a pretty low profile online. Um, do you have a website? I actually don't have a website. So, so for so those watching, don't take me as an example of, uh, self-promotion. That's not what I'm here for. So but, a guy recently told me, if you want to make it happen, you got to go and do it. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 right. I take my own advice. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, um, maybe by the time you watch this, my, my website will be constructed. So. Hey, you never know, but, yeah. but uh, listen, you know, for, for the working man, your work gets out there some which way. So if you want to, um, stay in touch or follow Brian, uh, you can check his Instagram page out. Okay, folks. So follow him there. Um, so, Brian, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks you so too. much for taking the time of your busy day uh, to being here with us. And uh, look forward to seeing Giant. Thanks for having me. You bet. Good to be here. Um, so thanks to Brian Miller for joining me on this Artist Spotlight edition of In What Artworks On Air. It's where I meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us. Many thanks to 809 Restaurant and Lounge here on Dykeman Street for their support. And thanks to Janine McAdam and Heightsites.com for uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Alfresco, pop-up art galleries, and much, much more. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is in part supported by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.